how do I want to start this? Tune in just for a second. I, I want to ask you a question. You don't have to respond out loud. I just want you to think about this, okay? How are you doing spiritually today? You know, if you went to a doctor, they would, you know, they would check you out. They would check your vitals just to see how you're doing. I just had the doctor the other day, and, you know, the blood pressure and looking down my throat and poking around in different places that I'd rather them not and all kinds, just to see how I'm doing. And, and it's interesting that when somebody checks your vitals, the reason they're doing that is they're just trying to see, are you okay? Are you healthy? Like, what's going on? And it's interesting that all of your vitals stem from what's going on in your heart, right? Everything always starts at the heart level. So at a heart level between you and God, like, where are you doing? Where, where, where are you in your spiritual walk with God? How are you doing? Because the reason I ask that question is, I don't care if you're on a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year or you weren't, there's this natural tendency to just kind of slip away and kind of walk away or drift in our intensity and in our fervency for God. That's why the Bible says, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Who keeps it? You keep it. You have to keep fired up. Can I have an amen? amen. And there's a term in, um, it's a chemical term, entropy. It's like a thermodynamic law, but it basically talks about this tendency for things to gradually decline, uh, for the temperature uh, to drop, for there to be uh, this dynamic where things don't remain the same if we don't continue to keep kind of uh, kindling wood on the fire. Is everybody with me? And that can be true relationally. Uh, I, I heard about a couple. They were married for 60 years. And they're not going to get divorced or anything, but the fire kind of had subsided. And so the husband's watching TV with the remote control, and he's sitting in his little love seat. For some reason that day, his wife kind of feeling a little frisky. <laughs> she sits beside him, little love seat, kind of coos up, you know, beside him. And, and, and the frisky got a little more. She started nibbling on his neck, kissing up on his neck. So kissing up on his neck. All of a sudden, he gets up and he walks away. And she's like, honey, honey, did I do something to offend you? I'm sorry, what did I do? He goes, no, baby, I'm going to get my teeth. <laughs> I want to nibble on your neck. Okay, does everybody get what I'm saying right now? Some of you are like, I don't get it. Some of you need to go get your teeth so you can make an effort to keep the relationship going. Spiritually, it's the same way. Is everybody with me? We learned last week when we were talking about God and your body, there's this like natural default to like, I mean, you don't, you don't have to work at getting the belly, right? It just comes, you know? A waistline, sunroof, you know, all those things, <laughs> moonroof, whatever you want to call it. Like, it just happens, right, without any effort. It just, it's, it's a natural thing. And so we need to make sure that we have vision for our, our, for our lives and for our spiritual lives. We also need to see our vision and how it connects with other people in a corporate vision. Everybody with me right now? Proverbs 29, 18, look in your notes. We're going to read it from the message translation. It says this, if people can't see... What God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Today's Super Bowl Sunday. The quarterback's going to call a play. If they can't, they don't know or they can't see the play, and people are going to trip all over themselves, it's going to be a mess. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed, or you could say they prosper, they reproduce, they, I like to say, multiply. So when it comes to vision, what I want to try to do today is 
I want to make sure you make an effort to figure out what you're called to do, but what you're called to do also through the local church. I also want to make sure that the vision is crystal clear. We have a lot of people that are new to the church. You don't know our vision. You don't know what we're about. You don't know our process for helping people be discipled and grow. And lastly, I want to help you, uh, challenge you, I should say, to be faithful to that vision. I want you to see from the word of God why we're called to be faithful. Amen? Is everybody with me right now? So a little history, quickly. Um, Some of you guys don't know this. Church is about 40 plus years old. And so I was a senior pastor at 11. No, I'm just kidding. I am the successor uh, to the founder. My father started this church years ago under a different name. And the moorings and the belief systems are all the same. But the name and, and, and some of the vision has changed too over the years. And in 2012, we actually... We launched this church. It was a church, and we started fresh with new vision and new direction. Back in 2011, I was fasting and praying and asking God, what is the name of this church, and what do you want me to do, and just show me what you want to say. And we had gone through a long process, and it really just came down to seeking God. And in 2011, April, I was in Birmingham, Alabama, in the uh, first floor of my in-law's house. You say, you went on a retreat in your in-law's house? I know, but we, we, we get along. And... Uh, 2.30 in the morning, I woke up, and God gave me the vision for Connect Church. And he showed me um, a picture of a person holding a power cord. And, and he said that people are like power cords. They need to be plugged into a source, and they need an outlet for that power, a distribution that, you, that were, in essence, dispensers, faithful dispensers of God's power. And so a lot of people need to be connected to God and connected to their purpose. And so our vision, write this down, it's in your notes, our vision is to connect the disconnected. We connect the disconnected. Can you say that with me, everybody? We connect the disconnected. So who do we connect them to? We connect them to God and their purpose. And I believe that, I use the term pre-believer. I believe there are people who are disconnected from God who don't know God. I call them pre-believers. Why? Because I believe if they, if they knew what I knew, they'd want what I have, but i got to share what I know. And so the church is the newspaper boys of the good news of God. We're, we're the ones who make the appeal. We're the ones who distribute the papers to different people's houses like in the old days. We're those people that do that. We have to share the good news. Now, so I believe some people are disconnected from God. Then I believe there's some people who are connected to God. And many of those people who are connected to God are not connected to their purpose. statistically, many polls have been done, of Christians don't know why they're here. They know maybe where they're going when they die, but they don't know why they're here now. And so part of our vision is to help people figure out why you're here. What's your purpose? What are you supposed to do with your life? So some people are disconnected from God. Some people are disconnected from their, their purpose. They don't know their purpose. Some people are just distant from God and need to be reacquainted and get to know God better. Is everybody with me right now? So our purpose, write this down. Our purpose is built around a premise. And here's the premise, then I'll give you the purpose. We believe, and I could prove this biblically, but that your heart can be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, with a decision. You can make a decision, but it doesn't mean you're a disciple. Uh, People's heart can be changed in a moment, in a second, but their life typically is changed over time on a journey. It's a process. Is everybody with me? So what we say a lot of times is, 
Your life, your heart can be changed in a second, but your life is changed in a system. God is a God of order, and he has created a process, a path, a system for us to follow so that we can know God and we can find our purpose and make a difference on the earth. Is everybody with me? So our purpose statement is this. We want to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. We exist to connect the disconnected. Our purpose is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. And this journey that I'm about to describe in layman's terms, real simple terms that we all can identify with, process, uh, communicate, and replicate is all throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. I, I, I think there's like 25 different examples in Scripture. I'm going to give you one in a little while, maybe two, in this message today so you can see it's in the Bible. Everybody say, it's in the Bible. The journey is in the Bible, okay? So if you don't see, listen, it's so important that you see it, though. If you don't see God's path, process, or steps for you to grow on your journey, then what the enemy will do is he'll provide a counterfeit path or process for you. And you'll fall prey or you will uh, you'll walk away from this and fall prey to that. Everybody there? Talk back to me and I'll preach better, everybody, okay? Online, you there? Just give some likes and hearts and just rate. I want to see things flying. Okay. Anyway, so here, here's what I want you to see, okay? The four steps in a nutshell are this. We want to help people know God first. We want to help people know God. Now, we help people know God through the local church. When you come here, we will always, we have, we will always have invitations for people and explanations for people to come to know God, to establish a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what's awesome, actually, about our church. In fact, I'm going to, you know, I just, I just heard a sad thing, and I, I want to be very, I want to pause, but, I, but one of the members of our church lost his mother just this weekend. But praise God, his mother got saved here a few months ago. Because, because that, we help people know God. We help people know God. And, and if, you don't, if you don't follow that step, then the enemy provides a counterfeit, and the counterfeit isn't know God, it's know me. No, me, 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 me. I can't go that low. But basically, <laughs> there's this life about me. It revolves around me. And so the world is saying from, uh, from uh, you know, social media to secular counseling, how can uh, me, 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 me be happy? It's a focus on me. And, and, and what happens is you're never happy at the end of that. It's a check Satan writes, but he can't cash. Talk back at me, second service. You're being real quiet right now, okay? And so I want you to see something. God wants you to know him. Number two, uh, we want to help people find freedom. We help people find freedom. We want to help people stop living in the rearview mirror, stop being defined by your yesterdays, by your past, by your problems, by your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups. We want you to get out of that, get free from that. You can know God, but you can still be in, we call it bondage. You can, you can get out of jail. Like you, You're not going to go to hell. You're going to go to heaven, but you can still have the jailbird in you. People get out of jail all the time, but they're still acting like they're in jail. People know Christ, come to know Christ, but they still don't walk in the freedom that Christ has provided. We need people to know God wants you to be free. And we help people find freedom in small groups where you're not just getting information right now. You're in interaction. You are, everybody, everybody can kind of, you're in a circle, basically. People's lives are not so much, they're not really transformed in rows. You're transformed in circles. 
And we encourage you to be a part of a circle of people. And, 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 and erroneously, some people think that I, I, I'm going to work this out by myself so I can get right with God. No, 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 no. You, you don't change your life, then get to God. You get to God, and he changes your life. Right, everybody? And so he sees all that junk. He sees you got issues. All God's children got issues. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got issues. I got issues. You got issues. We all got issues. Okay? All right. Now, the counterfeit to finding freedom, the counterfeit to finding freedom, one of them is finding fame. I thought of a song right now. Fame, I'm going to live. Sorry. Forever. But fame says make a name for myself. I, I, it's about famous. I want to be, fam- I want to be, I want to be known that way. But again, it's a, it's a check that Satan writes that he can't cash. You're never fulfilled in that. But if you find freedom the way God provided, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When you get that, then you come to realize there's more. Everybody say more. God, God says in His Word, "I have come. Jesus came that we might have life more to the full, abundantly, above and beyond." And so God has. Third thing is God has a purpose for you. So part of this process, this journey, this steps is to help you discover purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. You were designed a certain way to do a certain thing. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. What does that mean? He created you to do something even before you came to be. He matched you to it. And he wants you to do it. And then you'll be, you'll be fulfilled in it. Is everybody with me right now? Are you tracking on this? But if you, don't, if you don't follow that path, the counterfeit is discover a platform where I can display me. And so people climb these ladders to find success. And at the top of the ladder, they crash. It doesn't work. And you could probably recollect stories of people that are chasing possessions and power and pleasure and all kinds of things, getting to the top and maybe getting some of those things and being dissatisfied, not fulfilled, and, and not finding significance. Is everybody with me? God's way is way better. Say, God's way is better. And so what he wants you to do is he wants you to be a part of something that's bigger than you. And so our fourth step is to make a difference. So we help people know God in church. We help in our services through an invitation. We help people find freedom in small groups. We help people discover their purpose in next steps, which is happening right now during this service. Step one begins today. You can jump in any time. And fourthly, we help people make a difference on a team or in a group where you are about, not you, but others. You are about you or others. And this is where you move from lint picker Christianity, as I like to say, to problem solver Christianity. You take your part. See, the Bible says that we're supposed to be set apart in our hearts, but not in our lives. But if we try to do something by ourselves to help everybody, we fail. When we put our part with other people's parts, we help people so they don't come apart. All right, everybody? And so here's the counterfeit, though. It's not discover a platform. It's not make, it's, it's not make a difference. It's make a dime. We move from fame to fortune. I don't just want to be known. I want to have money. And so a lot of people, especially in our culture, in our world today, are preoccupied with money. And so we, we want a dime, not make a difference. We want money. And we, at, at what cost? You might even have it, get it. But the question is, at what cost? You gain wealth, but you lose your health. 
You gain money, but you lose your marriage and you lose your kids and you lose key relationships and you lose respect because you're living a counterfeit path or life. Is everybody with me right now? Okay? So when I don't see God's vision for my life, I think you're in danger of entropy, gradual decline, gradual uh, tendency or default towards a counterfeit life. And so I want you to see our vision, our purpose. I want you to see this process. And so Paul, uh, a great pastor, he addresses this in Ephesians chapter 1, and he basically sees this tendency that we all can fall prey to, this gradual decline, this gradual separation from the purpose and plan of God for our life. And that's why he prays in the scripture, and he keeps on praying. Everybody say, keeps on praying. So Ephesians 1.17, it says, he says, I keep asking. He keeps on asking. He didn't ask once. He keeps on asking. So sometimes I was praying for you guys this morning. I was praying for some of you that don't know God to come to know God. If you're listening online, I'm praying that you know God. If you do know God, I'm praying that you know God better. Here's what it says. Look at it in your, in your notes in Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's basically saying, I want you to see what I see. I want you to see this vision that I have for your life. Let me unpack it for you here so that you may know him better. There's step one in our journey. Know God. Say, I know God. Well, good. You don't just, you don't just stop there. I, I, I know my wife, but I, I need to know her better. I, you know, I, I need to tell her I love her again. I need to, I need to talk to her. I need to connect. With, I, if, I, if I just lived on something that happened a long time ago, I made that decision. I know Jesus. That's like me saying to my wife, I, when, I, when I married you, I told you I loved you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> no. I need, to, I need to know her better. Is everybody with me right now? Okay. Step one, I pray for those people that they know God and know him better. Then it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So here's the step, step, second step, finding freedom. Well, how so? Paul says, the eyes of your heart. I was reading that and I was thinking, Paul, you need an anatomy lesson because your eyes are in your head, not in your heart. And then I heard the Spirit of God say, no, they're not. See, we all see through the lens of our heart. Our problems, our pain, our past, our experiences, that is how we filter or interpret what we see. And to see right we have to get healed or free in our hearts. Amen. And so Paul said, I want you to keep asking, and I want you to find freedom so that you can see and you can be enlightened with the vision that I have for your life. You need to find that freedom in him. And then he goes on and he says, um, in order that you may know the hope to which you've been called. Here's the third step. You all have a purpose. You all have been called to something. You need to figure out what that is. You need to keep, I don't know what it is. Well, then you need to go to next steps so we can help you. You need to talk to God. You need to get counsel on that. Keep asking. Keep praying. You will not live a fulfilled life until you discover why you're here and you do something about it. Can I have an amen out there? Okay? It's a shame that people don't know their calling. That's not okay. And it's not for somebody else to figure that out all by yourself. you got to be hungry to figure out what God has created you to do and why he's put you on this planet. But then if you come to that place... You know, you're going to experience something that's so awesome. If you don't, you're going to miss out on what? The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This is step four. This is where you make a difference. You, you find the inheritance is fulfillment. The ultimate thing that people want, the ultimate thing to attain is not salary. It's significance. 
significance over Sally. God wants you to live a fulfilled life. That is your inheritance in Christ Jesus. But the key is, it's not by yourself. It's within a group of people. It's in his holy people. It's within the church. Through the church, the manifold, many-faceted, multi-faced wisdom of God is made known. God wants you to do something great. That's our vision. That's our purpose. That's our process. But to accomplish this vision, you got to go through this process of growth, but you also need to know the, and the part that you play. But listen, listen to me. You have to be faithful to that vision. God has called you to be faithful to vision. Now, it, now some of you would say, you know, I think some of you, when you get before God one day, you're going to want to hear something like this. Well done, good and faithful servant. I call that the, the heaven out of boy. I think all of us have thought that at one time if we've been in the faith any length of time. It's like you, wanna, you don't want to just get in like, whew, I made it. No, you want to get in and you want to have boom. Right on the, I think God's going to hit me on the butt. Boom. That a bam. That a boy. I mean, whoo, whoo. You know, I'm just going to have that. I'm going to have that moment. I'm going to have that moment with God. He's going to laugh because I did the Michael Jackson on. I'm like, I got you. You know, whatever. White gloves. Who knows? I might do that. But God's called us to be faithful, to help people know God, help people find freedom, help people discover their purpose and make a difference. Our mandate is to be faithful. And we quickly say yes, but we sometimes don't know what faithful means. So let me unpack it for you. Let, let me tell you the common definitions of faithful. Some of the, if I said, what does faithful mean? You would say something like loyal, dependable, consistent, reliable, trustworthy, right? Wouldn't those be the common definitions right there? Devoted, that's what we think of. But the biblical definition of faithful, I'm going to show you this in a second, is multiplication. Multiplication. Look with me in your notes at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Is everybody still with me now? Verse 14, it says, this is Jesus talking about the parable of the talents. The talents refer to your abilities, your gifts. The Greek word is charisma. It says, for it is like a man who is about to take a journey, and he called his servants together, all of us, and then he entrusted to us possessions, talents, abilities, charisma. So you have been given talents you need to know what they are. I know some of my talents. It's changed my life knowing my talents. One of my talents is what I'm doing right now. I'm operating in, a, in this orator gift, communicating, preaching, teaching the words. One of my gifts. I know one of my gifts is leadership. You're most fulfilled using your gifts. Like, I don't get off the stage today and go, oh, so draining. That was awful. Is it work? Absolutely. It's a lot of work. I work hard for today. But I, but I feel fulfilled because I'm living in my creative gift and design. You all have that. You all have been giving that. Is everybody with me right now? And so you've been entrusted something, and you need to steward it well. And then it says, to one, I'm going to personalize this, okay? I'll use uh, different people in this room, all right? Uh, I'm gonna, uh, to one, God entrusted, uh, you know, five talents. To another two, to another one, and each one according to his own ability. And then he went... Then, then he went away on his journey. So he gives three different people different measures of giftings according to their capacities, their portion, okay? So I'm going to use my friend Jody. Jody was given five. 
Five talents. She's a five-talent girl, okay? And so Jody's got five, and then Madison's got two, and Sarah, God bless her, she got one, okay? But they all got talents given by the master, by Jesus, okay? So here's what happens. Look at your notes, verse 16. So Jody receives five talents, and at once Jody goes and trades those. She makes a profit and gets five more. Likewise, Madison has two she goes and makes a profit and gains two more. But Sarah received the one, and she went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Sorry, Sarah, this story is going to be rough for you. <laughs> now, after a long time, the master of those three comes back and, uh, to settle accounts. And the one who had received five talents, Jody, came, and she's like, Lord, look what I've done. You entrusted me these five talents. I've made a profit. I got five more and his master says to Jody what we all want to hear. Jody, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful and trustworthy over little. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in the joy of your master. Now I want you to see something. What was the only thing that Jody did that was faithful? She multiplied. She took five and she made it what? She made it ten. She made it ten. And so she multiplies what she has been given. God didn't say, thank you for being steadfast, devoted, loyal, dedicated, reliable. Mm -mm. Didn't say that. No, Jesus points to the fact that she multiplied what he gave her. Continue. Jesus calls faithful multiplication. Verse 22. Also the one who had the two talents came forward. Madison comes forward and says, hey God, you gave me two I made a profit, got two more. His master says the same thing. Well done, Madison, good and faithful servant. What you've done, you've been trustworthy with what I gave you. I put you in charge of these things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Same thing. Madison, what did she do that was faithful? She multiplied two and she made it four. Amen? Is everybody with me right now? By the way, in this message, for those of you theologians, doctrinal people, this is talking about eternal rewards. This is talking about not the great white throne judgment. We get into heaven because of relationship with Jesus. There's no works necessary to be right with God and be in right standing with God. Jesus was the finished work. Can I have an amen? This is talking about if you pass that test, then you go to the next judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And now it's God saying to you, what did you do with what I gave you? This is about rewards in heaven. This is the reward ceremony. Everybody with me now? Yeah. So in the story, the music changes in verse 24. The one who had received one talent, Sarah... She comes forward and Sarah says, Master, I knew you to be harsh and demanding, demanding man. So problem number one for Sarah was she perceived God's character incorrectly. Then she goes on, she says, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, problem number two, fear and intimidation keep us from multiplication and reproduction. Fear and intimidation do that. I was afraid. I was afraid to lose the talent, and so I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have, what, you have what's yours. Now, here's the shift. The disposition of the master changes even greater, and he says to Sarah, you wicked and lazy servant. He, he's not talking to an outsider here. He's talking to an insider here. And he rebukes her sternly. You knew that I... You know, reap where I haven't sown. You knew that I sow where I haven't gathered. Why didn't you take the money, put it in the bank, and at least give it back to me with interest? You didn't even do that. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. See, with regards to our works, I hope you guys get this. I hope this stays with you. God's view is that those who maintain what has been given to them are wicked and lazy. 
If you just, if you have a gift and all you've done is maintain it, God says you're wicked and lazy. If you have a gift and you multiply it, he says good and faithful. You are called, this church is called to multiply. And you're a part of that. Petey, but I, but I, I, I read my Bible every day. My kids have Bible CDs in their room, and, and we pray before the meal and say grace, and we come to church, and we give a few bucks. We're faithful. Mm-mm. God says, nope, you didn't multiply. Wicked and lazy. That's strong, isn't it? It's the Bible. I didn't say that. God's first commandment out of his mouth was, be fruitful and multiply. I don't think he's just talking about, you know, having kids. I think he's talking about whatever I put in your hands, multiply it when I come back for it. And I think there's this tendency to say, God, because we misinterpret his character, God, how could you ask that of me? You're expecting something from me without giving me anything. He's saying, that's not true. I gave you everything, and I gave you everything is in your power. I put it in your hands. My DNA, my potency is inside of you. You're called to multiply that. You're seeing me wrong, and you're seeing this whole situation wrong. I gave you gifts. Use them. And so then I'll paraphrase this, but in verse 28 and following, he basically says, he says to Sarah, Excuse me, he says to, to, to uh, Jody, he says, Jody, because you multiplied five and made it ten, I'm going to give you Sarah's. You have 11 now. So now Jody has 11, Madison has four, and Sarah has zero. Listen, listen, this, I'm not trying to get controversial here. I don't think God is a socialist. I think he's a capitalist. It's quiet in here. <laughs> If he was a socialist, he would have done five, five, and five. But he's a capitalist. He says, you don't, you don't work, you don't eat. She worked really hard. She multiplied it. She doubled it. Now give Sarah stuff to her. Right? See, I want you to see some. God expects you to multiply what's been given to you. The takeaway is God rewards the faithful and he rebukes the lazy. So big. So how do I multiply? If I, if I agree with that, Pastor, how do I multiply? Write this down really quickly in these four points because they're just our vision again. you got to know God is your source. Not just know God, but know God is your source. 1 Corinthians 3 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it. God made it grow. God caused the growth. So it's not, it's not me that does it. It's God that does it. I have a part to play. i got to water. i got to plant. But God's the one that causes it. Ultimately, God is the source of growth. Psalm 121 says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. Where's help come? It comes from God. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 9, verse 10 said, it is God who provides seed to the sower and bread for food. It, whatever it is that you're looking for, he is your source. So if you're going to multiply, you can't see your, your ability to do it. It's God's ability within you to accomplish that. Is everybody with me right now? And so you've got to go to God as your first option, not your last resort. You've got to exalt uh, you, not your feelings. You've got to reorganize those so that you, you have feelings, but you put faith above your feelings as you're going through and multiplying what God has given you. You've got to trust that he's working even when you can't see it. Like the Waymaker song that we sing all the time. How do we multiply? Number two, intimacy is required for growth. That's why we're so big on getting in relationship, life change happening in the context of authentic community and real relationships. Guys, if you're not in a group, you're vulnerable. You're not going to grow if it's just me and God. It doesn't work like that. God created you to be, you're an interdependent being. 
You're created to be in relationship with him and others. And you work it out, you process it, you, get, you, you, you multiply it in the context of relationship with other people. All reproduction, multiplication, growth happens in environments of intimacy from plants to people. In Genesis, you saw plant life explodes because of seed being put in the ground. It's always about seed. God put his DNA in relationships with us. His, he's omnipotent. His potency is in seed. And the seed comes in and through intimacy. Just like we see that in reproduction. God made man in Genesis, you know, uh, he made us in his likeness. And he wanted us to be fruitful and to grow and to multiply. It says in Genesis 1.27. And even before Jesus ascended into heaven, his final words, he said, go and multiply. Go and make disciples. That was his final words. It's all throughout the Bible that faithfulness equals multiplication. Is everybody with me? But if we don't see that, if we don't do that, then we fall prey to the counterfeits. The counterfeits of intimacy are, instead of being close to my wife in an intimate covenant relationship, introduce pornography, which is a pseudo-intimacy. Uh, instead of being in community and relationship with my neighbors and loving my neighbor and myself, let's build garage doors, let's take the porches off the front of the houses, let's pull the blinds down, and let's just watch TV and never answer the phone. Or instead of being in an intimate relationship with friends, I'm going to be into social media, which is nothing social at all, instead of real relationships. Everybody with me? It's the enemy providing counterfeits from intimacy, but it's, intimacy is required to grow. Where intimacy lives, sin dies. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. Amen? Write this down, number three. By using your gifts, you multiply. Using your gifts, by the way, for God. I've said this before, but for years, I used to pray when I was young that Mariah Carey would use her gift and sing in my worship team. But there are Mariah Carey's, and there are people with unbelievable gifts for God, but they're not using them for God. They haven't even discovered them yet, let alone using them, and sometimes they're using them for something else. God wants to use your gifts for God. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you, everybody say, I'm an each. Not some of you, not a certain you, has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts. You all have a gift. Now, it's to be used, not sit upon for the service of others. And the Bible says, use your gift well. So I don't like my gift. Uh, I, I, can't, I, can't, I don't have that gift. I want this gift. See, we always put a premium on platform gifts instead of sometimes the gifts that can't be seen. Isn't it interesting? Like, I'm going to be a little real with you now, but, you know, if you see a person, an attractive person, it's, a lot of times you see their legs. Like, she's got nice legs, he's got nice legs. We got... Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You all think that kind of stuff right now. Don't even say that. You guys are getting all quiet. and like, oh, I don't think that. Of course you do. We notice the outside is what I'm trying to say, okay? And here's the deal. We value what we see, but we don't value what we don't see, but what we don't see is more valuable than what we see. You can live without an arm. You can live without a leg, but you can't live without a liver. You can't live without a heart. Some of you have gifts that are unseen, and the Bible says they're indispensable. Don't place a premium on the gifts you see and minimize the gift that you have. Number four, write this down. When you die, you multiply. When you die, what? When you die to yourself, you multiply. 
If you want to multiply, if you want to be faithful and multiply, listen, you have to die to yourself. How many women in here have had a baby before? God bless you. Raise your hand if you had a baby before. Well, women of God all over this room had babies. Here, here's, here's, what, here's, what I, here's what I know secondhand, not firsthand. That you had to die to yourself to have a baby. Yes or no? Can I have an amen from all the women? Yes. Maybe somebody watching online, you're praying. That's why you're not here in church today. Like, I can't move this thing. What do you want me to do with this, Pastor? Like, and so... What happened was you had to give up your preferences, you had to give up your wants, you had to give up the way you wanted to look, your wishes, you had to give up your, your hourglass figure for some other kind of figure, amorphous figure, you know. You disfigured yourself for this little creature that would come one day, this little creation that would come one day. And what's interesting, and this is just a universal statement, not always the case, but all those sacrifices, all that selflessness, all of that just death to, to you and what you want, there wouldn't be a mom that wouldn't say, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. God's not going to ask you to do something and not have you have incredible rewards, incredible, amazing things come out of it. John 12, 24 says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it's never any more than a grain of wheat. I don't want to just be a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many, many, many times over. It multiplies. Jesus is saying in order for your life to multiply, you need to be like that seed. You need to, you need to die to self. Some of you just, the self-life so, that's why you're not multiplying. And you're not going to hear good and faithful, good job, good and faithful servant. Add a boy, add a girl. You're not going to hear that unless you die to yourself. Is Christ living in you? See, this, this, you, you, you're not a seed in the ground to grow up to be a plant in a plant pot. Pretty plant pots. We have a lot of Christians who are just pretty plant pots. No, you are to grow up to be a plant to bear fruit. And then that fruit after that produces seeds, and that seed goes down to the ground and reproduces again and again and again and again. You're to die so that you can multiply. Is everybody with me right now? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask our campus pastor online in Framingham to join me as we pray for people in this room. Here's my challenge to you right here. Every head bowed, every close, every eye closed. Be very, very still. I want to speak to the family of God, to believers first. I want to challenge you with something. Maybe you're here today and you've been just maintaining. You're just maintaining. God, God has a strong word for you. That's wicked and lazy. Don't you want to hear him say thank you, you know, for being faithful? You have a gift. It needs to be activated in 2020. God wants to do something through you. And I believe he's speaking through me to you. Be faithful with what God has given you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. Or you do, and you just need to know him better. I would say to you, if you, if, if you want to know him better, get on this journey. <clears throat> Plug into a church. Get into a small group. Figure out what you're supposed to do and do something. Get on a team. Make a difference. But if you don't know God, you're here today, and you know you're disconnected from God. It's not an accident you're here today. It's not an accident you're listening online today. God so badly wants to be in a relationship with you. I promise you, that's, this whole thing is about you. 
And if you're disconnected from him and you want to be in right standing with him, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you. In fact, online, all you have to do is just say yes by raising your hand. And right here in this room, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to be connected to God. I want to go another day not certain that I'm connected to God so I can be connected to my purpose. All over the room, all over the room. Thank you for your courage. Online, you go ahead and raise your hand good and high too right here with us. You can put your hands down, guys. That's so great. I'm so proud of you. Church, would you pray this prayer with them? And those that raise your hand, especially pray this prayer, but believe it in your heart. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. I'm joining Jesus before I join any church. I want to come into relationship with you, intimate relationship with you, fellowship with you that's made possible because of what Jesus did for me. I receive the payment that you made for me. I want to be a part of the family of God today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer. Seal it into the day of redemption. I pray that something happened on the inside of them, Lord. And as you uh, make yourself known to them, they know you, that God, you reveal to them that they can find freedom, that they can discover their purpose, and they're called to make a difference. And I thank you, God, for beginning that process. And for the ones that are just maintaining, you have quickened them, Lord God, to be faithful and to multiply what you've done in their life. And it's in Jesus' name all the church said. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.